Hark the bardic paladin Who sings and plays again He tells the tales of glory And weaves a magic story He'll join you at your table And ask you to share a fable Heroes of humble origin Villains who must be fought again No matter their skill or prowess The people in life are countless so we pray you heed our request. Enjoy this tale of sidekicks and sidequests. Episode 98 Spruce the Madar Bureaucrat. Welcome to Sidekicks and Sidequests the Dungeons & Dragons podcast that helps to put humans back into humanity and breathe life into your campaign NPCs with backstory and bravado. That's right, we're building a world, one character at a time. I am your host, Kurt Krenwelgi, the Bardic Paladin, and I'll be joining Elise Basili's table in the Levitating Platter. Hello, everyone. And welcome to another exciting episode of Sidekicks and Sidequests, still the best unofficial Dungeons & Dragons podcast, in my humbly biased opinion. Before I introduce my guests, I'd like to go ahead and give a shout out to my first sponsor, Plus One EXP. Tony Vicenda is the mastermind behind this mastercraft of Beard Balms game design and community building. He's got Beard Balms named after all the basic stats from D&D, so get a can, Apply it to your face and smell the sweet aroma and the sweet victory that comes along with increased strength, dexterity, charisma, and more. Beards and Beyond is the indie RPG that helped to launch this entire brand, but Tony's collaborated and developed several other projects, including Repugnant, I Toaster, Down We Go, Through the Void, Vamp Nugula, and Brand Standing. If you support Plus One EXP either by buying something on their website or going to tonyplus1.itch.io, it all helps funnel into the Plus One Forward program, which seeks to support additional indie tabletop content creators to continue making awesome stuff. So, I would highly encourage you to follow Tony and Plus One EXP on all of the socials, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and even their Discord server, in order to keep up with all the various projects that are being worked on, as well as upcoming interviews, one-shots, and actual plays of some of these other amazing indie TTRPGs. And if you don't mind... When you go on over to plus1exp.com and you see that affiliate code box, type in Randolph when you're buying a Beard Bomb or Beard RPG in order to get some savings on your purchase at no extra cost to you. Again, that code is Randolph at checkout on the website plus1exp.com. And we've got a blast from the past this week. And without further ado, I'd like to go ahead and turn the microphone over and ask my guest to introduce themselves. Remind us who it is that you are and what is it that you do? Oh, I'm Elise Basili, and I was on, what has it been, three years, I think, since I was on your podcast? Yeah, yeah. We recorded your episode way back when, nearly three years ago to the day at the time of this recording. Yeah, you were episode number six, and you made Grunty, the zombie necromancer. We were at our mutual friend's house, the Horsley's residence. We were about to play some D&D, yeah. And so I was like, oh, well, I need, I need some episodes for my new podcast. So you graciously, uh, along with Elizabeth and Michael and, and Mr. Charles, indulged me and made some very memorable NPCs for sure. 
Yeah, that was quite a bit of fun. So since then, uh, I was working on a book that back then, but I've decided to take a break. There's a whole lot to it, publishing, advertising, and I thought it would be better to sit back and actually read more classics from the past uh, before I decided to start writing, just to see what was there and what I could build upon mm -hmm. before I came into that. So you're actively enjoying life, just reading literature, consuming it, and figuring out how it influences uh, your writing style. Yeah, there is a lot to different styles, different, Tolkien has a very different style uh, than uh, Bram Stoker. And since the last time that we spoke, I know we've been through a pandemic and growing families and all these sorts of kinds of things. So have you had an opportunity to play some D&D &D or other types of role-playing games? Uh, recently, I'm with my husband and a few of our friends. We've gotten together to play a Paizo campaign. Mm. Uh, Pathfinder. Don't know if it's the first or second version of it. Okay. I think it's. I think it's the first. I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> so that has been fun, and that that's been actually fairly regular every two weeks or so. Okay. It's a nice surprise for a RPG campaign. <laughs> yeah, and I think we made one attempt during the pandemic to play over Fantasy Grounds, which was fun. Um, but I guess it just kind of lost momentum due to technological issues. Yeah, a very common thing in a campaign. My husband, uh, I set up a, I was a GM for one game mm. and nobody showed up Aww. except my husband who was there. And he's, and he told me, well, now you are an official GM master. <laughs> ah, <laughs> okay. Welcome to the club. Maybe not yeah. the best initiation process, but it's, uh, it's what we got sometimes. So. Yeah, keeping momentum is very difficult. That's probably the hardest thing in D and D. It's not. It's not the game. It's not the character creation. It's just keeping the group together. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you have a group that you're regularly playing with, and uh, you're able to keep that camaraderie going. So I'm glad you're having fun in that way. So since the last time we spoke, I'm sure you've come across all sorts of interesting characters in your reading, in your playing games, etc. So. Who has been a new and exciting NPC to be introduced into your life? Who's been a new favorite sidekick of yours and why? There's a lot to unpack. Hmm. I think Mina from Dracula. There's something interesting uh, about her. It's hard to, if I could pin it down, it would be, well, she's described in the book as having the head of a man and a heart of a woman. It hmm. was written in the 1800s, so it is somewhat different uh, in their thinking, shall we say. But very well-balanced, uh, a very well-balanced character who cares about her friend and her fiancé who becomes her husband in the book. How patient she was with him when he had a mental episode. The husband uh, sees Dracula and is not sure if that was actually real. And so he doubts his sanity. And mm. of course, you find out later that he did really see Dracula is real. He is a vampire. Oh, and he, okay. he regains his sanity. I'm sure seeing the living undead, you know, would strike fear into you and, you know, you would question yourself as to whether or not you really saw what you really saw. Okay. Oh, of course. It was, the beginning of the book is quite terrifying for a number of reasons. The scene that struck me the most was Dracula's holding a baby or, or holding a bag inside. You can hear her crying like a, of an infant. It's never shown, but he gives it to his undead wives, I guess you would say, and they're mm -hmm. happy to have something to feast on. And there's a difference between horror and terror, and that horror is you're seeing the actual 
a disaster happening, whereas terror is, it's more concealed, like the monster in the dark. And so it had an element of that terror and that you couldn't actually see the baby, but you could yeah. guess, you knew. Your mind fills in the puzzle pieces and sometimes your mind makes something that's even more gut-wrenching than maybe what you're actually seeing. Yes, it's the fear of the unknown that really, that's probably the most terrifying th element you can use in horror is the unknown. And then kind of going along the same theme, what's been a new and favorite interesting side quest that you've come across in various games or literatures or film, television, etc.? And why has this side quest or B-plot element uh, been really interesting to you? Mm -hmm. I would take, let's see. So I've been playing Valheim. You're familiar with the game? I have some cursory knowledge of it, but for those of us who don't know, would you mind explaining? Yes, uh, it's... Essentially, a Viking Minecraft might be a good way to put it. it. It is a little bit more on the darker side. It has the graphics of a PS, PS2 game, I think, mm -hmm. about there. It's an open world exploration. And you craft mm. items and you're trying to kill the, what did they call them in the game? The, the bosses, essentially. You're trying mm. to kill them to get into Valhalla. And it's, it's a Viking purgatory in a certain sense. Mm -hmm. And... You really have to make up your own quests in this game uh, other than kill the boss, but you can go about it in any way. And I was trying to acquire armor and I was going around uh, exploring the edge of the meadows. There's different territories in the game. You got meadows and black forest and a bunch of others I haven't been to yet, but mm -hmm. I was exploring as much meadow as I could along the edge of the black forest. And I didn't realize this, but I had gotten the attention of a troll, which is a very powerful monster in this game and mm -hmm. it scared me i was shaking and i ran back to my fort my house and fortunately my husband had given me the advice to build a moat around your residence when you go in the black forest but i decided to practice in the meadows anyway mm -hmm. and that was what saved me from this troll which is easily five times your size in this game and could one hit you with a single kill and i was able to kill it using arrows uh from a distance and <laughs> I got very powerful troll hide, which is very good for armor, and I encountered the kind of armor I needed to. And so I went on a hunting quest. I had to build different uh, forts around the edges of the Black Forest and the world of the trolls. I didn't realize so much adrenaline could come from a game. And it is just <laughs> a game. It's not It's not a life or death situation, but it, it is quite. it was quite terrifying for me. <laughs> And just whirling these things to my to my fort and then being able to kill them to gather the resources to make armor. And it, I got a much better armor in in the game than I would have staying in the meadows. So I think the thing that struck me the most about it was the logistics and planning that went behind having to go do this rather than just blindly charging Leroy Jenkins into the into the fight. <laughs> And then the final question again here in the personal interview section, kind of recapping how your life has been these past several years. What's been a new passion that you've uh, acquired or picked up in the time since we last spoke? And why is this new passion stuck with you? Uh, it's kind of funny because it was this new passion was really kind of an old passion that I had dropped for the time I was in your podcast, but I took an up uh, charcoal painting again. Oh, okay. That's cool. And it has been very, I don't know if meditative is the right word, but very calming. Has there been a particular thing that you've painted with your charcoal painting? Is it like scenery, a slice of life, or like 
fantasy or sci-fi or anything like that? It's actually an icon of Saint. I had this picture I wanted to paint for a long time of Saint Philomena, and I let it go for years, and then I finally decided to pick it up again. Mm-hmm. And it's been a very interesting journey learning about human anatomy because the painting, it wasn't credited, and I think it was... I don't know if amateur perhaps, but it was not Michelangelo. And so mm. I noticed a few things that I could make a substitution here that would improve the painting. And so it's not just merely copying what I'm seeing on the page. It was uh, adding to the painting what it would make it better. And it, in my case, uh, there was a background, but it wasn't adding anything. And I think it was taking away. So I just made it black, made the background completely black. And I noticed that the saints features actually stuck out a lot more. Learning about artistry and the visual space, it was interesting to see sometimes less is more with that. And then learning about, I actually learned how to draw Rose because of this, because I needed to do that for her flora crown. Mm -hmm. And it was quite daunting. I didn't know if I could do it at all. And it was a lot easier than I actually thought it was. So glad to hear all of the various things that you've been doing and experiencing in life since the last time we spoke. And I think it's time we head now into a segment that I like to call NPC Creation. NPC Creation is brought to you by you, the podcast audience and our patrons from Patreon. Now is the time to give a shout out to our comfortable patrons and above with a loud hurrah. So to you, Katie Downey, Ansa Jablinski, and my parents, we say cheers. Again, this shout-out is for patrons who donate $2 or more a month. These folks are my highest-tier patrons, the wealthy-level patrons. So that means that they are able to add an element of chance to our random tables in NPC creation, which we might get to use here today. If you want to join the cheapest podcast Patreon community out there, check the show notes below, go to my podcast website, or just go directly to patreon.com forward slash sidekicks and sidequests to find out more about our three tiers, one, two, four dollars a month, and help us to expand our operations at the levitating platter in this demiplane and worlds beyond. Excellent. So this part of the show, of course, you know, we like to generate an NPC on this podcast, whether by random dice rolls or pre-planned ideas. And I think we've elected once again for the path of random. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, all right, so if you've got your dice at the ready, we will begin by rolling the d20 as we determine the name of our character. Okay. Three. Three. Okay, well, your answer is one that's been here for a long time, probably even since the beginning of the podcast, spruce. So S-P-R-U-C-E, like a tree. So spruce. Okay. Okay. And then the next thing we get to roll for is what is the ancestry of this character? This list has changed considerably since the last time. So go ahead and roll 2d10s for a d100 effect. All right. 70. 70 as I scroll down the list. Ooh, interesting. Okay. Uh, So your answer is Medusa, any kind. So I know in the Ravnica book, they introduced a few more kinds of Medusas, or otherwise you can find a Medusa in the regular monster manual, but uh, Spruce is a Medusa. Oh, that's interesting. 
And then the next thing we get to roll for is what is the job or role in society of this particular Medusa? Let's roll just a regular D10. Two. Two. Okay. Your answer was suggested by previous guest Mike Bradford, bureaucrat. So apparently Spruce is involved in uh, politics of some sort. And then uh, we get to do the last bit of dice rolling before we take a break and uh, determine the age range category of our character by rolling a D8. Six. Elder. Okay, so Spruce is an elder who is a bureaucrat Medusa. So with these pieces of information in mind, when you think of Spruce, who's a Medusa, who's an elder, who's a bureaucrat, describe the physical appearance of the character. He is stocky, uh, about probably about six feet tall. His snakes have turned white. He keeps, now Medusas can't really cut their hair, so he keeps his uh, snakes, snake hair in a, in a ponytail. And this is a male Medusa? Uh, well, with a name like Spruce, I, I mean, we'll go with that, sure. Maedar, M-A-E-D-A-R, has information, I guess, from first, second, third and fourth editions which is interesting that maybe they haven't necessarily brought them into fifth per se but extremely rare male variants of Medusa. so that's interesting that's pretty cool okay so he's a bureaucrat so where are we kind of finding him and you know so it sounds like his snakes are maybe not as active and petrifying as they maybe once were possibly well they had to take a nap for 20 of the 24 hours a day. So they're only active for like four hours. <laughs> mm. I'll say that. Okay. Since I'm having fun here. So they're usually just sleeping down his back. Is he like in a Fey realm court? Is he in a interdimensional city or just a mundane town? Or I don't know, where are we imagining him being a bureaucrat? Mm. We'll go with a Fey court. Easier to put pieces together. Okay. I mean, he's an elder, so that kind of explains, like, the time dilation. But, okay, so interesting. So he's a bureaucrat on a fey court. If you had to describe Spruce with three adjectives, what three adjectives would you use? Hmm. Cunning. Great social skills. A socialite. Socialite, okay. Piercing gaze. Very Mm. straightforward, yeah. I mean, kind of fits for a Medusa. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'll go with that. And of course, you know that we like all of our NPCs to have cool valuables on them, whether they're physical things or pieces of knowledge. So what is a valuable item, piece of lore, secret, or ideal or concept that this character would ascribe to? So you roll the D4 for the category and then the D6 for the particular item. Okay, I'll start with the D4. Four. Okay, so that is an ideal or concept. And the D6. Four. Four. Okay, interesting. So your answer was suggested by previous guest, Claire Sullivan. Don't trust something you can't hold in your hands. So how do you think that factors into Spruce being this bureaucrat on a fey court, as it were? Is it because he's not naturally from the fairy realm, and so he's had to learn very quickly about, you know, deceptions and tricks and illusions and all that sort of kind of stuff now that he's just here in the Feywild? That could be part of it. I think another part is maybe he's also more wary about if we want to take this into a more literal context, maybe he's more wary of the bigger creatures rather than the smaller creatures as well. (laughs) 
Okay, interesting. So he trusts like a pixie's word over, say, like a troll or something. Yeah, we'll go with that. Okay, interesting. Uh, yeah, it's a very creative way, especially if he's uh, been living in the Feywild for a long while. Okay, and then let's see. What is a particular quest that Spruce would be willing to recruit or hire player characters to go and do on his behalf? So if you want to generate this one randomly as well, you would roll the last dice of the D12, or if you're inspired at this point, you can kind of organically generate a side quest. An apprentice, perhaps, like for for the court, especially since he's getting older and he might want somebody to succeed him later. He wants someone to continue his work after he's gone. He's looking for someone to take his position. Is that the only way that he's going to be able to escape the fairy uh, court, as it Yeah, were? that's actually a great idea. Yes. So it's kind of like a switcheroo sort of a thing. He's trying to trick one of the player characters to doing his job and getting yes. stuck there. Perhaps he had a... Uh... He got tricked by the Fae into uh, signing a agreement that he didn't quite understand. And so now he has to stay there doing piles and piles of paperwork. Mm. Uh, and I can only imagine paperwork in the Feywild is even more insane uh, than it could be in the mundane world. Yes. <laughs> okay, so he meets the player characters presenting an honest sort of like, hey, I want to train you to take over my position because I'm not going to last forever, but really it's more of like, this is my last desperate attempt to be able to escape if I can trick someone into taking my job from me. So what's going to be the reward for the party if they're, quote, successful? Or I've, I guess one of the player characters goes along with it. Or maybe even if the player characters, maybe they bring someone who would be a suitable replacement. Maybe that's another workaround. So then you're not necessarily punishing your players. Uh, and tricking one of them to, like, be a prisoner in the Feywild. Yeah, a suitable reward for that. It probably some wild thing from the Fey. I'm trying to think of particular items from the Fey that are rare, unique. Probably a tome? Okay, a tome. Of some sort? Yeah. Okay. A tome specifically that is rare within the Feywild. Yes. Pertaining to something special within the Feywild. Yes. But what is going to be the consequence of failure, either by the players refusing to accept the bait, they're not able to find a suitable replacement candidate, or they just refuse the side quest altogether? What's going to be the consequence of that? Hmm. He does have snakes in the back of his head. Okay. He could petrify them. Okay, so it just becomes an attack? Like he's just going to attack the party for refusing him? probably has dealt with it long enough that he's not completely there either because the fae is not the sanest of places so mm. he'll try to be diplomatic but if he really cannot get somebody at this point if he really cannot get somebody to do it he will threaten force threaten to turn the party into stone certainly if we're imagining that you're going back multiple times to the same location and maybe gives you so many chances to try and do that i guess i'm just kind of curious as to do you have an idea of like what kind of a replacement would be suitable for his job? Like, obviously, if he's in a fey court, he's some kind of bureaucrat. Do they have certain standards that have to be met? Or is it just sort of like a drone within a court or something like that? It would probably be probably more of a drone, especially if he's not there willingly. So we're imagining some kind of despot or evil fey type character that has him imprisoned. 
or it's a good like but trickster sort of a a fey fairy wild court or something like that it's not the kind of prison with stone and bars but it's you've heard of the term golden handcuffs right Mm, yeah or a gilded cage yeah all right well we've learned so much about spruce that i think it's time to head into another segment called the random encounter This random encounter is brought to you by fill in the blank. Wait a minute. What is that? Is that correct? Is that right here? Well, yeah, sort of actually. Um, So unfortunately with the passing of Ed over at Reaper miniatures for the time being, the sponsorship program with Reaper miniatures is being put on hiatus, which is fine. They said that my link would still work if you want to use it on my older episodes, but otherwise um, it won't do anything else special. Still, I want to encourage you all to support Reaper Miniatures, show them your love and support in their time of need. So what does this mean for this particular ad break section of the show before we get to do a little role-playing vignette? Well, I guess that means if you out there in the Levitating Platter have something you'd like to plug and you've got an affiliate program or an advertising budget which you have some money to use to pay me with, well, then I'm happy to take a look at your proposals and see what kind of partnership we can form. As you know, this podcast is a labor of love, and thanks to some very awesome and very kind patrons, I can continue to keep the ever-burning torches on, as well as have a normal social life away from the podcast without it consuming my every waking hour. I'm very blessed and very thankful. I would prefer if you email me details of your projects and Kickstarters and whatever else at my email address, sidekicksandsidequests at gmail.com. I know you can reach me on various social media platforms, which you can give me the basic details there. However, I will ask you, please send me an email because I won't agree to do anything unless it's ethereally emailed to me and we're conducting a correspondence in that manner. So again, with all of that out of the way, I hope to hear from some rich noblewoman or eccentric lord soon. Now, on with the show. All right, so this is the section where we get to do a little bit of a role play, a little bit of a vignette. And so since Elise has done a wonderful job in rolling up Spruce, that um, it's a question of who should I be in the scene? Am I going to be one of my podcast characters? Are we going to have a return of Duncan, who was the uh, hero that met with Grunty the zombie? Or are we going to have another one of the podcast adventure characters show up? Or maybe it's an interaction between the lord, the lady, who's in charge of this particular fake court? Or I don't know, what kind of scene are you interested in showcasing Spruce? In. probably the adventurers are exploring the face and trying to find some sort of unique treasure perhaps they're wizards or warlocks of some of some sort and they're looking through the offices and spruce notices them and seeing that they're of a magical persuasion mm-hmm. wonder thinks that they might be able to take his place and so he goes and meets them Okay, so you're interested in Spruce maybe meeting a magical character? Yes. Based on that criteria, I know from the already invented podcast characters we have, Korak, who's the lawful evil arcane trickster rogue, um, who I know just recently had an adventure in the Feywild. Um, There's also Chrisley, who is the herbalist, botanist, wood elf, druid, who multiclassed into cleric. And then there's Orion, who's an astral elf illusionist wizard. Maybe of those three, is there one that you're leaning towards? Or 
if none of those sound good, then we can just kind of invent someone new. Uh, I want to invent someone. Okay, you want to invent someone. So um, what are you... Uh, let's see. So my last character was a dude. So I think this has to be another lady. What's their ancestry? And are they a warlock, you were saying, you were suggesting? Yeah, either a warlock or a sorcerer of some sort. Ooh, a sorcerer. Okay. Yes, actually, we'll go with that. Ooh, uh, a, like a wild magic sorcerer? Yes. Maybe the Feywild or something is like the source of their particular wild magic flavoring. I don't know if there is a sorcerer that's uh, specifically flavored off the Feywild. I will have to search that up, but we'll say some sort of Feywild influenced sorcerer, lady, woman that has found herself in the court. And is there a particular ancestry that you're thinking of for this character? Uh, let's go with Tiefling. Ooh, we haven't had a Tiefling yet. So a Tiefling Feywild influenced sorcerer okay and i don't know what's a good name for our tiefling because i know tieflings either have like according to the book they have like some kind of infernal name or they have some sort of virtue name hmm. like some sort of given name or like name of some trait or something that they aspire to hmm. how i've seen it uh in, written down so let's go with uh agape agape mm-hmm Okay, so Agape is a tiefling, Feywild-inspired sorcerer. So Agape is wandering through and trying to find the lost tome of Avarice, searching for the strange tome that she could bring back, defeat a, a demon. Yeah, we'll go with a demon that you have to find the Tome of Avarice to find the MacGuffin to be able to defeat this. And she's going through the Feywilds and Spruce sees a magic tiefling and knows that he can get he can get out of his uh, gilded cage if he can just get her to, if he can just trick her into his position. And so he goes and meets her. Okay, and so she's sneaking through this court, this residence in the Feywild trying to locate this tome. Yes. Okay, Agape has kind of like this lilac, very faint, purplish-pink sort of coloration to her. She does have rams-styled horns, so they kind of curl up and around very close, and she keeps her hair kind of short, I guess, to kind of match with the length of her horns and stuff like that. You know, she could tie it up, I guess, in a small bun if she needs to. Um, she's wearing greens. She's got some very, very minimal armor, and so she's trying to sneak around. Perhaps she came here with a party, and so she's split off, or who knows. But she's here sneaking around, and she's tiptoeing through these offices, and then she spies this Medusa elder staring at her. And so she freezes, thinking and imagining, oh no, this is my doom. This is, this is, where, I, this is where I fall. But then nothing happens. And so then she'll very cautiously sneak over, and she'll say, um, hello, um, I'm looking for something. Are you able to tell me where it is? You're seeking this home of avarice, aren't you? Well, uh, what gave it away? She says, trying to put up a bravado. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. I, I understand uh, that many people have needs for this. Now, if... You're probably looking for something back in your world for this. Oh. It, it's a very famous artifact, and we're very Indeed. well aware. Yes, and uh, it would it would definitely be helpful in my journey, in my quest. Hmm. Well, as you see, I am 
quite old and uh, mm -hmm. need somebody to replace me. If you could find someone to replace me, I could arrange to get you the Tome of Avarice. She will roll a insight check and uh, we'll say she rolls pretty high. So is, uh, <laughs> is Spruce telling the truth? Well, he's, he's not lying. We'll put it that way. <laughs> mm, okay, so she definitely is weighing her options and she's thinking back to, uh, you know, maybe perhaps who she journeyed in, she ventured in with. And she, so she's like, you can see her going through a mental list. And so then she like thinks over the words carefully and she says, just anyone who can replace you to do your job? Uh, I need someone who is able to read in Faye, mm. in the Faye language. And then I, I just need someone I could take under my wing to replace me when I'm gone. Hmm. Okay. And so Agape's considering your words. You'll see a mischievous grin as she's thinking. And um, you can see in her very similarly colored, maybe a slightly darker shade of purple eyes. And she just has like the solid eyes, uh, not anything with irises. And so kind of impishly, she's like, okay, someone who needs to be able to read and understand Sylvan, Elvin probably. Yes. Hmm. Well, I didn't like the tone that one of the elves took with me in our party. Made a very, very nasty insult about me. Oh, my I'm back. so sorry to hear that. Yes. And just would it be such an inconvenience if he didn't make it back? So she does a little giddy skip in place. She's thinking more on the idea of like how she's going to basically pull one on this supposed party member that kind of slighted her. <laughs> you know, maybe that's perhaps some of the fey influence uh, from the magic that she wields, kind of maybe giving her a clouded sense of judgment, especially since she's here in the fey wild. Maybe she's a little more chaotic and a little more prone to extreme changes in her moods or thinkings or feelings because she's here and not say like on the material plane where it might be a little more manageable definitely not thinking in a very agape spirit of love um yeah, quite quite ironic in that in that sense yeah like when she's in the material plane she's very loving kind of individual but now that she's here in the Feywild, it's like throwing her off in this moment in this thinking she says, okay, well, is there something that has to be done to seal the deal to get him to become your apprentice, to, to trick him here to stay? You're quite perceptive. He will need to uh, sign the contract, and Spruce pulls the uh, contract that he got duped into signing. Okay, so you want me to take this to him and just have him sign it? Yes. Does he have to be conscious when he signs it? Like, let's say he was asleep and I just grabbed his hand and made a scribble. Oh, that would, that would, well, it wouldn't make a difference to me, but it has to be bound to the soul of the person writing on it. And since he's not conscious, I, since you were so perceptive, I, I admire intelligence. And so I'll tell you, it has to be the one actively putting the will on the paper. And you would have signed that contract had you taken someone else's hand to write that, mm. if you understand. Mm, okay yeah and she gets wide-eyed as she realizes and she's kind of taken aback it's almost like she gets a momentary flash of a conscience and she's like oh okay but then very quickly she like calms down and then maybe it's perhaps the mood of the Feywild kind of setting back in kind of having that momentary sobering moment of realizing what she potentially could have done and tricked herself into doing but she says okay okay so if I get someone is there a time limit 
Oh, hopefully before I die. Mm, 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 mm. Okay, you are looking pretty old, but I think you got some time on you. Tell you what, I'll take this contract and I will find someone. I will find someone who will be the most suitable of replacements for you. How about that? Okay, yes. Okay. All right, so she'll take the contract, she'll roll it up very carefully and secure it on her person. So she's turning to exit the room, but she looks back and she'll say, no chance on um, maybe a hint or a peek at where I could find this tome. I know you said you could arrange the meeting of it, but like, am I hot or cold? Is this like, am I on the right track by, you know, if I went, she points to the opposite side of the room. Like if I kept going that way would i be closer to it or i don't know where is it you you can sense maybe i don't know if spruce is gonna try and roll a deception check you can tell me whether or not spruce is able to see past it but she's maybe trying to slip in a last bit of deception to see if perhaps she can get a sneaky clue or something spruce would easily see through her like subtle trick or not yes i, I he would he's been okay. in He's been here too long, of course. Well, Agape's fresh, and she doesn't know. So she's she's sly back where she comes from. So she's in uncharted waters. He laughs because he chuckles to himself because it's it's like watching a little kid try to trick you Mm. from his perspective. Mm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so he just chuckles and doesn't give anything up, basically. Uh, He points to the contract and says, Mm -hmm. that's the closest thing, you'll get to it. That's the mm. closest. That's that is as close as you'll ever get to the tome. She'll give a shrug and she'll say, "Well, it was worth a shot." I don't know. She kind of maybe even sobers up more in this moment. Maybe my understanding of the character is uh, maybe she really is more tricksy than I thought, and maybe she was doing an act of like you know really giving in to the more sinister side. But now she kind of straightens up and she's like, oh, "All right, well, it was worth a try. All right, well, let me see what I can do." And uh, Anything that'll get me closer to that tome, we'll talk. And she'll sneak away. All right, and scene. So there we go. So what did you think of uh, Spruce the Medusa bureaucrat? If I had to do it over again, I probably wouldn't have told her. I I play a lot of good characters, like Chaotic, or I don't think I've played Lawful. Mm. Have I played Lawful? No, Chaotic Good tends to be what I play. Sure, uh, Like Duncan, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think if I were, this seems to be more like a lawful evil type of character. So if I had to do it over again, I wouldn't have warned her. He would have let her try to fall for the trick. Yes. Of binding herself. Interesting. Okay. So certainly that's another way to flavor it. If that's how you want to take this particular NPC. That's what I think looking back, I think that's what I would have done. But I also think you did a good job in presenting it as like, you know, his age and maybe his like losing grip. And stuff like that. And so maybe he actually, you know, in a particular variation, maybe he does let it slip and actually does help in that manner. And so then she's able to learn like, oh, actually, if I, you know, just taken someone's unconscious hand and signed a contract for them, like, oh, but well, that wouldn't have worked. Yes. Yeah. So what did you uh, what did you think of Spruce and uh, and just getting to be back on the show after so many years? I think he's a good he's a good NPC. It's definitely the the fae is unpredictable and mm-hmm. a friend of mine told me that elves are very uh like in in mythology and Norse mythology they tend to be very lawful evil. She told me uh 
that the labyrinth, the movie, the labyrinth is probably the closest modern take on a what an elf would like in mythology. Mm, okay. Yeah, just trying to trick. It's not that it's like they're bound in a sense that they can't do whatever they want to you, but mm. they do try to trick you into hurting yourself. And that's labyrinth like David Bowie labyrinth, not yes. like Guillermo del Toro's Pan's labyrinth or whatnot. Not quite, not quite like that. All right. Yeah. So do you think uh, if you're going to GM now that you're in the GM club, the DM club, uh, <laughs> if you're going to run a Feywild one shot or campaign, do you think you're going to add Spruce into your toolbox? If we if we go for the Fae, I might I would consider it. So thank you for helping me to create a brand new character that we can add to the roster of NPCs to play against in the uh, random encounter section. It's always fun to be able to do that. You're welcome. And thank you for having me on the show. Yes, of course. You remember that uh, here in the final thoughts section of the show, before we end the episode, I always like to leave the microphone, the soapbox, the stage, the platform over to my guests. So if there's anything that you want to plug, if you want to be found online, where can we find you online? Are there any passions or causes that we need to be made aware of? Right now, I'm very much just in my own life, so I don't have anything to plug right now. If I ever come back on the show and have something, I'd be happy to share. All right. Excellent. Hey, you know, it is a joy and a delight to have you back on. I know we were trying to make this happen over the years, but, you know, scheduling the uh, the plague of us all, but we got it. And uh, we made a brand new NPC that I hope that will be used in games the world over. All right. Thank you, Kurt. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sidekicks and Side Quests. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Overcast. Or feel free to save the RSS feed to use the app of your choice. Visit our website, SidekicksAndSideQuest.com, for links, write-ups of the NPCs, and to learn more about the show and the guests who have been on it. To stay up to date and interact via social media, you can follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Reddit by searching for SideKQ Podcast. I would love to talk D&D and showcase your fan art, stories of how you used our NPCs, discussions, and commentary. If you would like to hail the bod, simply send an email to sidekicksandsidequests at gmail.com. To help this show be the resource it's meant to be, I ask that you please leave a review on iTunes to help spread the word and share our podcast with your friends and family. Whether you're a veteran player or an aspiring dungeon master, or you've never played Dungeons and Dragons before, there's something here for everyone, and I want to hear about it. And finally, after two years, I've decided to open a Patreon for Sidekicks and Sidequests. If you love this podcast and you want to help us grow and expand our operations, I would appreciate it if you would go on over to patreon.com forward slash Sidekicks and Sidequests. No matter your lifestyle expenses, we have wonderful rewards at every level of Patreon membership tier. Your name on the wall of the levitating platter, a loud hurrah on the podcast, or the possibility to introduce an element of chance to NPC creation. Psychics and Psychos is unofficial fan content permitted under the fan content policy, meaning I'm not approved or endorsed by Wizards. Portions of the materials used are property Wizards of the Coast, copyright Wizards of the Coast, LLC. Thank you for your support, and I'll see you at the pub next time. Bar to rock on one, two, one, two, three, four.